yes, friends, on a Monday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast. You know the drill. Over here, it's Adam Marmbrecht. Over there, it's Andy Makowitz. And we know, sir, as the offseason officially gets underway today for Big Blue, you're healthy, you're wealthy, and you're wise. Yeah, Adam, I'm just glad that you didn't call me over the weekend and ask me to to restructure my deal so that we had more cap space for OGP. Sure. Like, I appreciate you letting me have the whole entire weekend to myself. Um, I, I mean, I was very excited watching college basketball. I know two games back-to-back might be a little too much for you. I know you don't like college basketball, like, too much of it. So, hopefully tonight, the national championship game, just one game, two-hour span, hopefully that could capture your attention for a little bit. Great news. Great news. That did not affect me because I didn't watch a single second of it. And uh, I'm guessing Duke won, right? You got to keep that magical thing <laughs> happening. Is that the deal? I get, you know, something something special is going to happen. Dreams crushed. I mean, won I mean, victory. Shout out to the I, women's. I, I saw the women's team got revenge in their national championship. I know that. Yep. South, South Carolina pulled off, uh, you know, the, the redemption season. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, not a, not a college basketball podcast, but think about this. Coach K considered one of the top, you know, three greatest college coaches of all time. He yeah. lost his first ever game at Duke against UNC, lost his last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against UNC. And the first time that they meet in the tournament in the final four loses to UNC. If you're a UNC alum, after this weekend, it doesn't even matter if you win the national championship game. You've got like that held over oh. anyone that goes to Duke for like 30 years. Like you could finish with no wins for the next decade and you still have that to hold on to. You know, we're going to get right into this. But so they, they lost that Duke lost. OK, I was yeah, not Duke aware. Lost. I did, did not catch. Did not I catch thought that was a bit. I thought I thought we were in the middle of a bit. And you're like, no, oh, Duke. Yeah. Coach K is officially retired. Ah, fantastic. He can stop dyeing his hair then. The bottom line is, as we turn the page over to the New York football giants and talk about the official start of their offseason, the first note about that is because they get a little bit of bonus here. When you roll over and turn the page for your franchise and hopefully in a positive direction for New York football giants fans, they, of course, get the little bonus value because you've brought in a new head coach. So they get to start on the first Monday of April get a couple extra days in there to really start percolating with all of your key figures, maybe start to get eh, some walkthroughs. You can all, I think they're limited to like, I think it's something like two hours on the field, maybe two hours inside the facility. So it's only like four to six hours total per day that you get here at the start of the off season program. But just to give the rundown quickly here on the key dates for the New York football giants today is the start 19th to the 21st will be the voluntary mini camp. And then we'll have a GM Joe Shane giving his pre-draft press conference on the 21st as well, followed up by the draft on the 20th through the 30th big days ahead. And then it'll be mid May 13th to the 15th when rookie mini camp will get underway and we'll finally get to see all these pieces that the giants are putting into place. But um, it's great, right? When you're starting something new, it's great to feel like they give you a little extra leg up to maybe hit the ground running. Yeah. Well, like we said before, these are the dog days of spring uh, for the NFL teams where, you know, the wave of free agency has come and gone. The giants did not make any large splashes because of, of the situation around their cap space, but it is the next check Mark. You see a couple guys coming into the building. You start feeling like, okay, the new season is upon us turning over a new leaf. And for giant fans, you got to be excited after, after kind of the turmoil that we've gone through over the last few years, it does feel like a fresh start with Joe Shane and Brian Dayball and seeing these guys coming in, you're starting to get the feeling of what can be for the upcoming season. No, hundred percent. And with that, as the giants try to have spring 
eternal hope spring eternal hope they go ahead and try to find a path here as they only had just over north of one million dollars of cap room we know it's it's projected to be around 16 million that they're going to need to be able to sign all of the uh, incoming rookie draft class assuming they stay at five and seven at the top two big numbers are going to be there well i'm a little curious and we'll talk about as we lead up to the draft how much that could impact the decision making of joe shane and potential trade offers that come their way but the first step was to restructure one Adoree Jackson uh, per field gates over on Twitter. The giants have converted $8.965 million of Adoree Jackson's contract into a signing bonus with avoidable year added on creating just under $6 million in cap space. This is an important move. And as you and I were discussing pre-show, this is something that Joe Shane by and large, said he doesn't want to do, doesn't want to kick money down the road, doesn't want to get into restructuring and extending contracts beyond what they are currently billed in as, and that's specifically because he didn't set these contracts to start, but they do it with Adoree Jackson, and I think there is a silver lining specifically when it comes to him. Yeah, I mean, listen, Joe Shane said last resort, restructuring some of these big contracts, kicking the can down the road. It's it's what all Giant fans have, have maligned you know, Dave Gettleman for doing with a bunch of the different contracts before he left which just put us in this cap situation to begin with. But this this kind of does two things for us, Adam. One, it, it shows how much the cap situation is in dire straits for the Giants. This is literally the last thing that Joe Shane wanted to do, So, but he had to do it because he needed to free up that almost $6 million because the Giants, the Giants were last in the league in terms of available cap space. Now, next year, they're projected to have the third most. They're going to have almost $100 million. So, you know, I think this move, kind of voids out and puts maybe $3 million of cap space and parks it in, in the following season. Not a huge number, so not something to get overly concerned about. But also the fact that they did this with Dory Jackson says, this is a young player that we believe is going to be with this team for multiple years. Yep. It's why we don't think they'll do it with someone like uh, James Bradbury. It's why they're not approaching Kenny Gall for a restructure yet. It seems like Dory Jackson's young enough. And with the you know things surrounding James Bradbury now, the Giants are confident that Adoree Jackson will be here throughout next season and, you know, beyond. Yeah, and I guess, you know, you say adding in the voidable year at the back end, right? So you shifted the money around, and in effect, were you to not want to continue forward with him long term, you still have the same out process, right? So all you've done is just made it a little bit more. And this is this is why, by the way, when Giants fans or fans around the NFL go, it's like, what is the cap exactly? Like, it's just kind of this number. because Who did the Rams sign? Like what, what big free agent did the Rams sign for $20 million a year? And you're like, how are they affording it? Yeah. Right. And, and it always comes back to, they're like, well, yeah, but now we've labeled that it's not salary. It's a signing bonus. So it's kind of like it doesn't exist. So, you know, listen, Joe Shane is using that to his advantage. We talked about, by the way, now, and these are very different, but DG, when he was there at the helm, talked about the things you didn't want to do and then literally did it with every single player he possibly could. So this feels, uh, to your point, polar opposite. And at least when it comes to a Dory Jackson, it's a guy that you can you can look down the road and say, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. We anticipate him being here for the life of the contract, unlike some other players that you go, there's no security necessarily. May, they may be here this year, but it doesn't mean that Joe Shane won't look to start to shift and move some parts around as things progress forward. Yeah, but but Adam, the other big piece of this is this is not the only move the Giants are going to make, right? Because they oh, while they freed up almost five and a half, six million dollars worth of cap space, we still have more transactions and more things to do, even to just sign our draft class that's incoming. So this is the the first move, but it really squarely puts the spot spotlight back onto James Bradbury and his contract and what the Giants are going to do. 
Yeah. So now we come back into I'm labeling it as James Bradbury's value, but this looks like the final domino piece that needs to fall here. We can we can look around the roster. We know that there's guys, people are talking a lot about Darius Slayton and the $2.5 million that he frees up. But when we start to just think about you and I've talked about all offseason, the you still need to fill all these roster spots. You still need to have viable bodies. And while there are scenarios that we may get into here as we approach the draft where moving on from a Darius Slayton could be an option. It's about what you're, is it a trade? Is it a cut? Are you signing somebody? Are you getting a body back in return? Or are you looking at the draft class? So when it comes to James Bradbury, I mean, this is pretty cut and dry. I don't think that the Giants and Joe Shane under any circumstances want to have to outright just release him to free up this cap space. And it's where I do come down to this idea of whatever bar that Joe Shane set in this offseason. We want a third rounder for James Bradbury because we know he's still talented. We know he can be a, a critical contributor to a deep playoff run caliber team, I think at a certain point you have to say taking a quote-unquote diminished return on James Bradbury, it's okay because one, it frees up the money, which you absolutely need to have. And two, even if you take you know, a scenario that I, I want to paint here is let's say you had the third round value and you, you look at a team, Kansas City had been thrown out there for a while. Maybe a team like the Cincinnati Bengals who, who want to reload and gear themselves up for another deep run to try to get back to the Super Bowl. If you take pick 95 at the back end of the third round from them, maybe you have to throw a future fifth back their way. So the return isn't as strong as it should be. But what can you convert that pick at 95 in the draft into? There, there's going to be whether let's say at the top of the draft, they immediately get the replacement for James Bradbury in sauce Gardner. Let's say that they don't and the Jets steal him from him. Cause that's kind of buzzing around right now. If the giants go offensive tackle and edge rusher at five and seven in any combination and you get to 36 and there's viable safety options like brisker. And then you start to think about an interior offensive lineman or a linebacker tight end running back future replacement for Saquon Barkley, adding in that extra pick at the back end of the third round, gives you the flexibility to make sure you go target a cornerback or go target an edge rusher, another key plug-and-play starter for this team in the upcoming season. Well, th there's a lot to unpack with the James Bradbury situation, oh, yeah. and let's just start out by saying we both like James Bradbury. We That's think true. that he is a quality cornerback. We think that he is a, a maybe a 1A type cornerback in this league, and he still has been performing at a very high level. In an ideal world, James Bradbury would still be on the Giants. But given their cap situation and their constraints, the reason why he's being talked about the way that he is is because he does have value to other teams. Now, when you talk about diminished value, look no further than you know someone in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. They had to free up cap space too because of the Ezekiel Elliott contract and other contracts that they've created. They had to trade their number one wide receiver, Amari Cooper, who's making almost $20 million a year. And what did they trade him for, Adam? They traded him for a fifth-round pick. And, and it just goes to show that the cap space that they freed up in saving that $20 million was just as important as getting assets back. Like, sure, they would have liked the third-round pick for Amari Cooper, even a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, but they couldn't afford to eat more of that cap space or his salary. They had to tell Cleveland to take the whole thing. That's kind of where the Giants are in this whole situation, too, where James Bradbury is a top-of-the-line player at his position. He's making top-of-the-line money in terms of his cap hit. And so the Giants kind of have to take what they can get because it's the, it's the the double free up the money because we needed to sign our draft picks, but also get something in return that is a cheap young asset, like a third round or a fourth round pick that we could turn into a future potential starter, even at the cornerback position. 
can I throw out an idea to you? Because I, I obviously we're on relatively the same page here. But do you think, because like, I, I said, uh, the last thing the Giants would want to do is just have to outright release James Bradbury. We know the money that's attached to it. Is there any world where based on how the draft is looking at the top and whether or not Sauce Gardner is available or not or how they feel about the tackles, how the board goes, right? Do you think there's any world where the Giants and Joe Shane would say, yes, listen, we... Yes, we would like to be able to train, change, uh, excuse me, trade James Bradbury. Doesn't fit Wink Martindale's system. But if we had to go into the season with him, we would open up the trade down possibility, which changes how much money you need to allocate to sign your draft picks. And then all of a sudden say, during the year, we'll see how it fleshes out. We'll look at draft options at cornerback later in the draft that can be groomed over the first six, seven weeks. And then maybe there still becomes a trade partner that comes up later in the year. Is there any chance that they're also doing that equation in your mind? The money is more important than getting the value out of James Bradbury's contract. Like the Giants have to free up that cash to be able to sign free agents. To, to be honest with you, you know, one of the rumors that's been going around on Twitter is the idea of, the Kansas City Chiefs need someone at cornerback, right? Mm -hmm. What if the Giants traded their first second round pick and James Bradbury to be able to move back up into the first round, move up six, seven picks? You're giving up a player like James Bradbury, but you're adding first round, another first round pick to your arsenal. You're freeing up $12 million. And whoever you pick at the back end of that first round, you get the 50 year option available to you as well. So that top of the line talent may be able to stay around for another year. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that, I guess. But like at the same time, then you're like, now let's have three first round draft picks that we have to pay. And I know the fifth year options are going to be available on all of them. And we know there's going to be more money next offseason. But, you know, the one thing I will say is and we talked about this before. Like, I, that's why I brought up Cincinnati, because I, you look across the landscape of the AFC and you go teams that think they're going to be competing for deep playoff runs next year. James Bradbury may be an option for multiple. You know, if you can get any level of a bidding war. Maybe that helps move the needle for you a little bit here where whatever the value is going to be, whether it's the, the scenario that you're painting or something Cincinnati is willing to do in that regard. Likewise, maybe it is. We'll give you James Bradbury and pick 81 to move up the board, right? To move up 10 or 15 slots in the second or third round just to be able to target a specific player that we think we can bring in. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I think all options need to be on the table because to your point, we actually save more money, I believe, in, in trading James Bradbury than we do right releasing him. Yes. So it's in the Giants' best interest, no matter what, to be able to get value out of James Bradbury. But also, Adam, the, the issue with Bradbury is that we don't just need money to free up for our, our draft picks that are coming in this year. Like The, the money that we have, have freed up already with the Dory Jackson restructure is part of the equation. James Bradbury's $12 million that we could free up on this helps us get to other places too. You know, yeah. when, when week one of the NFL season starts, the salary cap calculations move from your top 51 players on your roster to your top 53, which adds another million and a half to the, what the giants salary cap looks like. And they're, they were already razor thin. Then you look at, you know, the practice squad transactions and who gets activated and up and down during the season. That's another three or $4 million, you know, credit to Dan Duggan for, Putting, putting out some of those details. The Giants need more money than just the 12, 14, 15 million dollars that they need to sign all of those draft picks. They need to be able to conduct business in, in, in the season. Not, not even like go make a splashy trade, but like activate a guy off of the practice squad because another guy got hurt. The Giants need a couple hundred grand here or there to be able to make those work. And when you think about it, Adam, that's why, you know, 
James Bradbury has that biggest number in the path of least resistance. When you talk about Saquon Barkley being seven or eight million dollars, you still would have to do you release him or trade him. You'd have to do Darius Slayton. You'd have to look at other places around the fringe, and you're still not saving as much money as you would getting rid of James Bradbury. Well, and that's why, too, because you bring up a guy like Saquon Barkley, at least in this moment, and he was there at uh, at the offseason program, which is a good sign, good faith gesture, it looks like. But in this moment, we have to accept or be excited about, depending on your perspective, that Saquon Barkley is going to be on the roster at, the, at a minimum to start the season, right? That's what it looks like right now. Now, things can change between now and the draft and following it and, and what goes on over the course of the offseason, obviously. But if he's going to be there, then you immediately know, well, that's $7.2 million that we're not looking at as a viable space to clear. And, and all these conversations you and I have had, I keep going, there it is, it's $7.2 million. You could do that and release trade Darius Slayton, and there you go. You've manufactured the extra money that you need, and you could afford to wait or see what happens when it comes to James Bradbury. But interestingly enough, when we talk about Saquon Barkley and guys that showed up for the offseason program, uh, worth noting that they said Saquon Barkley in the building. No word on James Bradbury. You kind of get that. A lot of rumors swir swirling around him. But they also said no word on Kadarius Tony. And that immediately I went, huh? What? What do you mean no what? word on Kadarius Tony? Why? Why? Why do we need a word on Kadarius Tony? Should there be a word for Kadarius Tony? Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, no, I thought it was supposed to be excited you know that we've heard the conversations talking about going to kenny galladay let me know what works for you talking to Kadarius tony what works for you like i thought that that this young player was right into the fold and shane joe shane had talked about having conversations with him and getting everybody on the same page and for whatever we thought you know some of these little injury concerns and if he has a little bit of that that star diva kind of mentality it looked like that was kind of like very much just swept out the door with the new regime so uh Yes, it's strange. This happens when, when it's voluntary off-season workouts. Like, people don't even need to show up, but it becomes a story when people don't show up. Obviously, with James Bradbury, he's like, why am I going into these voluntary workouts? I'm sure it's better for the team and myself to just stay away. Yeah. Let's let's figure everything out. Let's see how this all plays out. You know, the Kandarius Tony piece is interesting because you think about, about a month ago, Joe Shane and Brian Dable were asked about Kadarius Tony, and they said he has a 100% clean slate with us. Anything that's happened before, we don't care. doesn't matter. One iota. You know, as you mentioned, a week or two ago, you have Brian Dable going to Kenny Galladay, and you have, uh, you know, going to Kadarius Tony, looking at tape from, you know, Galladay's Lions days, looking at Kadarius Tony at Florida and the best ways that they used him, which was kind of a shot on Jason Garrett being like, I can't use any of the tape from what, what, what we just saw because they have clearly have no idea what's going on. What about all the recordings you have in the building? What recordings, guy? First of all, first of all, we don't even know that we were recording anything because technology was not a premium for us. This He's like, you watch years. it with your eyes. You watch it with your <laughs> eyes, not with the videotape, right? I watch it with my eyes, and then I remember it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, you hear all this, and Brian Table's like, I'm, I'm, I want to figure out the best way to utilize you and, and Kenny. I want to get you guys out into space. I'm looking for creative ways to do it. I didn't know that. That, that this was even a, a thought of whether he was going to show up, which slightly concerns me that everyone's talking about will he or won't he show up. But also, like, does this mean that there is fences that needed to be mended between the Giants organization and Kadarius Tony? Well, yeah, I mean, fences mended. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the way that I look at it. I do look at it more as this is a young first round wide receiver that as talented as he may be, it's again, this is like with everybody, it goes across the entire spectrum, right? 
what do you how do you fit into our scheme do we think that you can be the focal piece of our offense how do you pair with in the short term daniel jones in the long term whoever type of model quarterback we may want to bring in if daniel jones doesn't work out and i'm trying to start to refer to it that way so that Giants fans appreciate that I'm willing to be invested in it. But it's also, remember, the cap number is also a part of this equation, too. Kadarius Tony, while he only counts for, looks like, base salary of $1.2 million, you got a signing bonus of $1.8 million. I'm not saying that that's a large number for a young player, but it is still money on the books. And I think it rounds me into this speculative question. I'm just going to do this quickly here in two parts. The first one being, just to think about the 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 roster and the draft scenario and bring it back around to the top here and thinking about could we potentially discuss the idea of, of moving on or shifting from James Bradbury and what it would look like. So let's just quickly say the Giants go tackle and edge rusher because Sauce Gardner isn't available. As you get up to the 36th pick in the second round, you're talking about, as I said before, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, the safety. Roger McCreary, cornerback, not necessarily. Have my eye on a guy like Kyler Garden, average draft in the 50s. You talk about a safety like Kirby Joseph, around 70. The point being, it's like if you see a value at safety or a corner, how are you going to fill the other need? This is where the extra pick comes into play. And you can even throw in a cornerback like Martin Emerson, who maybe projects to be a safety. He's going mid-70s. And then you get into the Nick Crosses of the world in Maryland in the late 80s. And then interior offensive linemen like Luke Fortner, like a Cole Strange. All these guys are like 50 to 80, kind of 80, 90 range. And the Giants being able to grab the extra asset means you don't have to, one, reach or miss out on filling another key need. And in that vein, Andy, I wonder if, one, let me ask you, do you think that Kadarius Tony being traded is something that could be on the table this offseason ahead of the draft? I don't, because if you believe Joe Shane, he said, Kadarius Tony is not a tradable player on, on our roster. Very true, and I tend to agree. But do you think that as the Giants look at their wide receiver core, and we know that maybe Kenny Galladay isn't going anywhere right now, but we don't think he's a part of the long-term future, there has been a wide receiver out there and a team that is looking to turn some things over. Final year of his contract, low, under $4 million cap hit, Giants with money on the horizon. Let's, I'll even I'll even paint the picture with your boy, Daniel Jones, having success this year. Would you be interested in trading potentially an asset, a player, maybe a high draft pick to bring in one DK Metcalf out of Seattle, knowing that you could then say we have Kadarius Tony and DK Metcalf going forward with Daniel Jones next year? Wow. Well, bang, bang, boom. I mean, Adam, you're, you're really, you're really going there. Um, the, all right. So against the grain for myself, by the way, cause I'm a rebuild guy. I'm gonna get things under control here, but it's just DK Metcalf has proven to obviously be an elite stud player. And if you look across the entire wide receiving core for the giants, you can go through the draft. We know that you're, but you could be talking about having Kadarius, Tony and Metcalf paired together. And I'll go even deeper. With Saquon Barkley in the backfield, there's your triumvirate of incredibly talented players to go into this season and get that over, as we talked about last episode. Eight, nine wins for Big Blue. So so the, the short answer for me is it's just not possible. It, it's not feasible. I don't see a path at all to this. And, and it's for a few reasons. One is what kind of draft capital will we have to give up in order to acquire DK Metcalf? Two, DK Metcalf is in the final year of his deal. He's looking for a big contract. Three is 
the wide receiver market it hasn't changed since last year when we signed Kenny Galladay. We spent $19 million a year on Kenny Galladay. We're like, oh my goodness, like what an overpay. This is insane. By like the start of this year, Kenny Galladay is going to have like the 13th, you know, 14th uh, highest salary at, at the wide receiver position when we thought he had the highest before. Wide receivers are now commanding $30 million, $28 million, $25 million in the free agent market. So what you'd be saying is we're giving up high draft assets to be able to bring in DK Metcalf, knowing that we might have to spend $30 million and have $30 million allocated to him and $19 million allocated to Kenny Galladay, while we still believe in Kadarius Toney, who would be number three in terms of needing to get paid in the wide receiver room. So for me, I Adam, I actually think we talked about Kadarius Toney not being a, a tradable asset. I honestly think that there's a better chance that Kadarius Tony gets traded for a first round pick in this upcoming draft than I do DK Metcalf coming to, to New York. Oh yeah, sure. I guess yeah, in the hierarchy spectrum. But again, now let me just just really look. Let's dance. Let's dance with the devil a little bit here. Remember, let's say that you're sending back the big money of 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 Kenny Galladay to Seattle in the salary dump. Let's say that you're packaging him. Maybe it's the 36th pick along with Kenny Galladay going to Seattle to bring back in a DK Metcalf. Maybe you are trading the seventh overall pick at the top of the draft, but you're eliminating the six or seven million dollars that you have earmarked for that position. So now next year when you sign that contract, remember, yeah, it's 30 million for DK on a big deal, but it's really only 24 when you factor in the finagling of the money, not to mention. Just on an apples to apples basis that we have a little bit of fun here. Not to mention, though, Kenny Galladay at 27, 28, 29 years old with injuries is a far cry different than 24-year-old, going to be 25-year-old DK Metcalf stud, you know, elite number one receiver. I tend to agree with you, but it is interesting, right? Like, it is just, it's a curious process. And I, I'll tie it back to what I mentioned there. We said last episode. When you start to see, because we've talked about this, and we're going to get into it following the draft when we get a real sense of where this team is. When you see over-unders getting set at seven and a half, eight, and you, you start talking about the Giants could possibly be going above 500, this is where the mentality changes a little bit about what are you willing to do this year? What, you know, what do you want to bring into this roster? If you think, we talked about it when I think when we mentioned about like Miami having the new head coach. Well, they want to go all in, right? They want the, the big value of making the playoffs with their new head coach and Tua and everything else there. If the Giants are, are marginally away from accomplishing that in Dable's rookie head, head coaching season and in Joe Shane's first year as the GM, maybe there is things that within reason they would be willing to do while I tend to think that going out and pursuing a wide receiver is not going to be one of them. But it would be interesting to see how far they're willing to go maybe to improve those chances. Well, Adam, I will say this. At the end of the day, there are a few moves that need to happen between now and week one of the NFL season starting, but sure. more between now and when the giants are on the clock with the, with the fifth pick in the draft. And we, while, while, you know, the first thing is we have to get some clarity on James Bradbury. I think that there's uh, a 99.9% .9 chance that he is not on this roster week one. We got to get Kadarius Tony inside the building so that we can actually see him working out with the giants so that we can, kind of rest a little bit easier on that front. Sure. And the last thing is we got to understand and see what's going to be happening with that fifth and seventh pick. Are, are the giants going to stick and stand pat there? Are they going to move back? What are the giants going to do, especially given this cap situation moving on from the seventh pick and taking a first rounder the following year seems yes. to be the whispers of what everyone keeps talking about. 
And all of these decisions are going to be happening in the next, what, 30 days? Yeah, pushing off the spending, right? Pushing off that cap hit another year when you have the money makes a lot of sense. And the question will just come down to, and maybe it's very obvious, right? Give me an offensive lineman this year, and then we'll prepare for next year and maybe a new franchise quarterback if things don't work out with Daniel Jones. Maybe just another elite talent. Maybe this start of Joe Shane every single year being able to be like, I'm willing to trade out. Why don't you give me an asset at the top of next year's draft? I'm willing to trade out. And, and really doing the things that we always compliment teams like the 49ers, like the New England Patriots, right? Making shrewd moves in the short term so that you always have long-term viability for success. Bonus end of the day, buddy. How does it feel to get taken out in the championship of the Locked On Nets Fantasy Basketball League? Oh, it was brutal. Adam defeated me. He won by like 15 points. I accidentally left an uh, an injured point guard in the starting lineup yesterday. Shame wow. on me. Wow, I was prepared. By the way, kudos to credit to you. I'm not even going to throw you under the bus because I was ready to say, you know, DeJounte Murray, he was out for a couple of games for me over the at the end of the stretcher. That was my, my built-in excuse was ready, so I will not befall you for using the same tactic here. It was a heck of a run, but <laughs> we all knew it was this guy. All <sighs> day long, it. eight days a week, 365. My friends. We will see what other information comes out around James Bradbury. Any news as we work our way through the offseason program. The next big step is Daniel Jones information, right? Is he moving around? Is he turning his head from side to side with fluidity, indicating that the neck is going to be okay? We'll update all that information. You can follow us over on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button. Get the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as always, evermore as the New York Football Giants offseason gets underway, Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.